the book of Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 4 through 11. And actually, we're going to start halfway uh, through the middle of verse 4. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4, or 4b, you might call it. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings and become like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would bless the reading and proclamation of your word. God, take your word and implant it deeply in our hearts. And Father, may we meditate upon it. May its riches come forth and just change our lives as they are worked deeply into our hearts. And Father, flow out into our lives. God, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Many of us have rejoiced greatly that college football is back, that we have had an opportunity to, to watch, to see some semblance of normalcy as, as football has returned. We've been excited. We've looked forward to that day. And yet with the return of college football is a reminder that on every Sunday morning, 50% of us are going to be walking around feeling good. We're going to be feeling happy. Our coach has been saved. He's a genius. He's gonna, he needs a contract extension right now. Things are going well. He is the future. And lots of us on the other side, the other 50%, are starting to wonder did we really make the right move? How, what's the direction of this program? And, and you know, we're, we're wondering how things are going to go. The scripture today is about how do we keep score in life. And I bring up college football because in sports, the way you keep score is pretty well defined. There's a rule book, right? And, and we talk about here's how you keep score. Now there's controversies, right? And we have instant replay and we wonder about a certain call. And, and you know, when it, when it comes to the day after, those of us who weren't on the right 50%, 
we, we start giving ourselves searching for what's called moral victories, right? And we, we start looking at, uh, well, we had so many players out to COVID-19, and oh, if that guy hadn't have been taken out by an injury, or, you know, uh, I mean, this, and this starts young. This isn't an adult thing. Look, think back to those, you know, backyard football days. And it started way back then. My favorite call in backyard football with my neighborhood friends, interference. Chad's dog ran in the way. That doesn't count. We get to do that play all over again. That, that tree limb, it, I had a perfect spiral. That's interference, you know. And we, we always look for ways to, to change what the obvious conclusion should be. Because in sports, the, the rules are pretty settled of how we keep score and how we know who's winning and who's losing. But in life, it's different. We're not handed a rule book at, at birth or at 13 or at 21 and say, well, here it is. Here's the official NCAA rules to life, and here's how you win, and here's how you lose, and here's the penalties. And, you know, there's not one, there's all sorts of folks out there saying, here's the rules, here's the rules, here's the rules. And they're all different versions. And you got house rules, and you got, well, just make your own rules. You know, so often in society, in, in the television or movies, one of the things that's really held up this day is just having a code. I thought that was interesting. She was talking about codes this morning. Well, this is a different kind of code. You know, the big thing, just, I live by a code. You know, you have this hero says that, and, and it's, ooh, you live by a code. You know, his, his code might be blue fish are amazing. Well, but that's my code. I do everything to protect blue fish. Or what, you know, but what, what kind of code is that? Well, anybody can have a code and make up a code. So we're left to wonder what, is, what code is important? What is really valuable in life? And obviously, we grow up and our idea of what's important is by how we're raised, the people around us. And so often, it's a, maybe a, a family code, you know. Well, Tim, here's how, this is the way the leaves do things, okay? Leaves don't go out and do this. Leaves do this, you know. Or it's, you know, uh, hey, we're from the South. Look, <laughs> And, and some of you may have been taught now, look, a good southern lady does not talk that way, you know, um, does not sit that way or whatever. Um, we have different ways that we are taught how to live. And in Paul's day, this, this, this idea of codes, it's always been around throughout human history. We're all deciding, we're all figuring, how am I going to live? What is the proper code? What really counts? Because there's not an official rule book that we're all handed, what is the way that we keep score in life? And then, as in now, there were people who would just say, ha, there are no rules. And, you know, most folks with some sense could figure out real quickly, well, that leads to, that leads to chaos. That leads to destruction. That, way's not, that way doesn't work. But there is, a, there is a very sneaky, there is a very um, perverse the, uh, type of thinking that disguises itself as a great way of life. And it's a legalism. 
It is a moralism. It is a, if you do all the possible good things, if you're the best goody two-shoes out there, if you cross all the T's and dot all the I's, then you are a good person. And that is the code. That is the best way to live. And Paul was dealing with some infiltrators who had brought that type of thinking into churches he had founded. Paul was an apostle. He was a church planter. He'd go and start a church. He'd stay there and teach and preach and get everything going for a couple of years. And then he'd move on to another place and do the same thing and get it going and move on to another place. But he kept in touch. He didn't have email. He didn't have FaceTime. But he'd write these letters and he'd keep in touch with these churches. And he was concerned. He wanted them to stay healthy and keep going. And he was hearing some bad reports about these folks who had come into churches that he had founded based on the grace and the joy of Christian living, of accepting the grace of Jesus Christ, of living in the joy of redemption and the freedom of worshiping and serving him. And they were coming in and they were starting to say, whoa, 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 whoa. that's all good and proper, but we got to have a little more focus on some rules now. We, we need to have a little bit more focus on doing everything. And, and, and let's, let's say how we can be really better Christians if we kind of channel everything into a bunch of do's and don'ts. And, and I know Paul didn't tell you about this stuff, but we got some more things that you should do. Some add-ons that are going to make you extra special Christians. And in this case, the add-ons were taking all of the legal stuff from the Old Testament maybe not actually all of it, but a lot of it, and bringing it in and trying to say, well, basically, to be a Christian, you got to also be a good Jew, too. And for some of them who were already Jews, they were Jewish Christians, that, was, that didn't really bother them because they grew up being Jews. But for these folks who were non-Jewish Christians, who had just simply accepted Jesus Christ and, and, and in faith, and wow, I believe that he died on the cross for me. I acknowledge him as my Savior and Lord. This is wonderful. And they hear that message of grace. And all of a sudden, someone comes along and says, Oh, wait a minute. You didn't hear the whole story. There's a bunch more stuff if you're really going to be, you know, in. And they were being confused in their faith. Their joy was draining away. Their their faith was being disturbed. And Paul said, "I I got to deal with this. So he writes this letter about these folks who are coming in with this type of legalism, this type of moralism that destroys all the joy of true Christian freedom. And he starts what looks like in these verses we read, it looks like he's starting to, you know, brag on himself. We're kind of like, Paul, why are you getting into this bragging war, Paul? Because You know, the first words that we read were, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. In other words, Paul says, uh, I'll see your moral code and I'll raise you, okay? Paul's not wanting to brag, but Paul's making a point here. Paul's saying, look, I'm going to show you that your system, your code is bankrupt, but before I do, I'm going to let you know that I'm not against your code because I can't hack your code. Guess what? I did your code better than you. I know your code better than you. I know moralism. I know legalism. I lived it. I was the master of it. 
And guess what? It's empty and meaningless. But let me go ahead and give you my street cred for moralism and Judaism perfected. And see, he goes on and he talks about all of the things that made him the ideal upright Jew on that day, circumcised on the eighth day, and boom, 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 all of the different things, and you read them, these things mean nothing to us, circumcised on the eighth day, big whoop. Well, guess what? That was exactly, everything he says was the way things were supposed to be in the code, and these things mean nothing to us. But to one of those people in first century Judaism, they'd have been like, oh, okay, he did that, he did that, he did that. Yeah, he really did. And he was all the way up to, I was trained, and in our day's language, you'd be like, I got a PhD from an Ivy League school. I mean, he had all the bona fides, all the qualifications in their way of thinking. And he says, guess what? It's completely bogus. I lived that way. I did all of it. And what does he say in verse 7? But whatever were gains to me, that is, everything I could have counted up as progress, as profit, as bragging rights, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Any of you have to take accounting in high school? I had to take it for a year. I did okay in it, but I, know, I knew absolutely one thing, maybe two things when I finished accounting. I knew that there were debits and credits, and I knew that I absolutely was not going to be an accountant. I mean, to me, that was purgatory, if not the really bad place. It was at least purgatory to do that for a living. I'm, I respect all accountants. You know, I praise God for you, but I was like, I am not going to do debits and credits for my whole life. But Paul is talking about an accounting type of situation here where he says, take two columns and this stuff that all of you have been putting in the positive column, you take it and you switch it to the other. You account it, you reckon it, you change it from one side to the other. What was a gain is now a loss. It's not even a wash. It's not even a, something that's neutral. He said, none of that stuff this, is that even a even a neutral, it's not a gain, it's a loss. Why? Because it was all done out of pride. It was all done out of how am I, as a human being, going to work my way to God? That's the basis of all man-made religion. How can I make myself better than others and better, good enough to earn my way to God? And Paul said, I did just about as good of a job as anybody else could do of that. And I realized that's junk. And by the way, if you're thinking, boy, this guy really is full of himself, please remember that in other places he calls himself the chief of sinners. That is, he said, I'm the biggest sinner there is out there. Okay, Paul, Paul understood he's nothing. But he understood also that if you want to play that you know, tit for tat, let's count up, let's measure up. I can play that game, but guess what? That game is nonsense. That game is just that. It's a ridiculous game. You and I have a choice to make in our lives. What are we going to follow? What are we going to choose? 
There are all sorts of codes. There are all sorts of philosophies. There are all sorts of moralities being handed out. And we live in a world where if you follow biblical Christianity, you will be mocked. Uh, you will be talked about. You will be thought badly of. Uh, you will be considered to be uh, uh, behind the times or intolerant or whatever from time to time. You'll be thought to be a lot of different things. And you have to decide, how am I going to choose? Am I going to choose based on what mom and dad told me, what the world tells me, what's politically correct, what some preacher one time told me, or what Brother Tim tells me? Or ultimately, where do I get my code? Paul said, out of all the choices, my code is simply this. Verse 8, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own which comes through the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul says, guess what? I put it all on the table I threw everything I had into one pot. I put all my eggs into one basket, and that's the basket of faith in Jesus Christ. I didn't diversify. I didn't say I'll put a little bit in, into, you know, this other New Age thought, a little bit into, you know, my own moralism, a little bit into Judaism. I'll hedge my bets here and there. Paul said, no, I put everything that I have into following Jesus Christ. Not anything about righteousness that I make myself, and everything about faith in Jesus Christ and the righteousness that God grants because of him. Where's your code? Pure silliness, that whole idea that Hollywood puts out of, I have a code, I live by a code. We all have some sort of code. We all live some sort of way. We choose to make decisions. The question is, what is your code? Is it some mismatch of a bunch of different ideas and thoughts that you've been given along the way? Is it from what your family says or your community says or somebody you look up to says? Or is your code simply, it's all about you, Jesus? Wherever you lead, I'll follow Wherever you go, that's where I want to be. What's your code? How do you keep score? How do you know if you're successful in life? What other people say of you or whether you're faithful to Jesus Christ? I don't know. I can look at your faces and you can look like you're nodding and you can look like you're paying attention, but I can't look in your heart. Only you and God know that. And as we pray and as we go into that ne this next song, the time of response 
it's time for you to do business with God and say, God, help me to, help me to be super real because we're used to being super fake all the time with lots of people, putting on fronts, not offending people, going along with what they think. But get real with God. God, how am I really living? What are my true values? And if I haven't put everything in your basket, in the basket of faith in Jesus Christ, God, help me to let go of self-righteousness, of pleasing others, and put it all into the basket of Jesus is everything. My faith in him. Let's pray. God, we come to you, and Lord, standing in the light of your presence, all our deceptions, all our pretenses, all our excuses are all stripped away. We can fool everyone else. We can even fool ourselves. But God, there is nothing hidden from your sight. God, you know even those things that, that we even keep from our own that thoughts, the things that we suppress and choose not to think about. God, you know those things. You know our hearts intimately. And Father, I pray that you would pierce those hearts where they have been hardened, the places where we've become rebelled, re- rebellious, God, the places where, where we have just intentionally become hardened against you, hardened against others. Lord, maybe it's a, a, a sin of just uh, uh, that we're holding on to and we've been defying you. Lord, maybe there's a, a bit of unforgiveness and we have held out and today you are calling on us to let go of that. Lord, maybe there is a greed. Lord, we have not allowed, we've allowed the, the world's values materialism to take over and God we got to let go of having that thing that we think is going to make our life complete Uh, God maybe it's some type of success status that we've held out for rather than looking for your approval we've been living uh, in the fear of man we've been living so that mom and dad maybe even who've been gone for years, perhaps. We're still trying to please them. Or maybe the boss, or maybe the neighbors, or somebody else, and we got to start living for your approval. God, whatever it is in our hearts, anger, hatred, Lord, anything that is keeping us from you, any, any desire, Lord, any passion that is channeling us away from you expose that in our hearts right now lord help us to see open up our consciences and help us to realize what we need to do to draw close to you help us to confess and repent and return because we know your arms are open and you long to restore us you long to Cause us to be closer to you than ever before. Help us as we sing this next song. Father, and and not only then, but as we go from this place to not let go of your spirit speaking to us, but, 
God, that we just, Lord, we, we won't try to, to get out of this, but Father, we continue to wrestle and to work and, and to let you deal with us until you get it straight, until we've put all of our eggs in the basket of faith. God, we pray that your kingdom would be built and your name would be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.